I just had three situations this past week where I came across various people, Catholics, that are behaving in a way that I would not consider very Catholic. I don't want to go into specifics, but in each case, there is a desire or feeling that we as Catholics need to be more outspoken about certain things that are happening. One of these had to do with wearing masks. I'm not here to say whether or not someone should or shouldn't wear a mask or tell people that they should or shouldn't wear a mask. But if a bishop in a diocese has made the decision that we should all be wearing masks at mass, then we should not question that. He's the bishop. I'm sure that these decisions are not made lightly. We should pray for him and trust that he is doing and will do what he needs to do. You can contact him privately about it, but don't go on creating division in the church. I guess this is what it's all about. Either we are part of the church or we are not. Following the leadership of our bishop, whether we agree with it or not, is part of being part of the church. Because Jesus Christ gave his authority to the church and the bishops are the successors of the apostles. Can they make mistakes? Sure. But are we not making it worse by creating division? I'm not talking about criminal, heretical, or immoral behavior. That we have to stand up to. But sometimes, we have to go where we don't want to go because we are following the church. And we have to trust that the Holy Spirit is in charge. Otherwise, why are we church? I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I am Billy Chan. And Billy Chan, our uh, hello, our friends in the United States, um, they just celebrated Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving! Happy Thanksgiving! Uh, I guess um, Thanksgiving is like a four-day thing. We can say it's a Thanksgiving weekend, um, even though Thanksgiving was on Thursday. Um, of course, we celebrate Thanksgiving a month ago. Yeah, but this year's Thanksgiving is very different than all other years, right? You know, because of the pandemic. Yeah. And uh, a lot of uh, maybe like grandparents, they cannot even see their family. Right. Yeah, I know. it's um, It's been a difficult one. Um, but hopefully people still have a chance to gather with their close, close family. Yeah. And, uh, and celebrate. I think there's lots to be grateful for, despite the challenges this year. And... Uh, I'm grateful for Billy Chan that Billy's here with me today. I am very happy <laughs> to see you. Yeah, um, we're uh, we're doing the show, and we got listeners all over, and people write exactly. to us. Um, if people want to write to us, they can find us on social media. You can email me Pedro at saltandlighttv.org. Um, Billy is on Twitter at Bjo Chan. Um, Billy today, Sister Marie Paul Curley will be back with us. Nice. Um, she's doing her top three films about Thanksgiving. So wow, that's going to be in 10 minutes. I don't think that there are films about Thanksgiving, but there are three films that she feels have to do with being great. So about being thank you, yes. about, you know, grace, you know. Yes. So that's yep. in about 10 minutes. And then Billy, you have some hard questions that have been coming the last week. So do you have a difficult question for me today? Um, this question, I think uh, you will be difficult for a priest or a, a bishop to answer, but for you, I think it's easy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see about that. Okay. So that's Church for Dummies with Billy's in about 15 minutes. Um, and then Billy, when you think about Catholic books, 
Yes. And I don't know, you probably don't have a lot of time to read, but when you think about Catholic books, what kind of books do you think about? What do you think Catholic books are about? Oh, um, you know, uh, about Jesus, about, mm. uh, uh, yeah, you know, when you Bible, you know, it's a Catholic book. You know, one okay. of the Catholic books that I really like is about uh, to learn to be a leadership uh uh, with Jesus, okay. So, is Jesus as a model for you to 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 be a leader? You know things like that. I think okay. it's a self learn, it's a self learn book. You know, most of them yeah. is a okay. self. Yeah. So, so books about self help, spirituality, about faith. Um, do you think about novels when you think about Catholic books? Oh, oh, uh, Law of the Ring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yeah. Even though, um, yeah. Yeah, it's obviously a lot of Catholic themes in that book. Um, but I don't think we think about a lot of Catholic novels, that there aren't a lot of Catholic novels. No, there are novels no, out I, there. I don't, I, don't, I don't even know that many. You know, no. Love the Ring maybe is the only only book I can name. Uh-huh. And I'm sure that maybe when it was published, nobody was thinking that it was a Catholic exactly. novel. I like interviewing authors in this show. Yeah. And every once in a while, there is someone who has written a novel like fiction. And so today our guest uh, in in the next second half hour is going to be an author, Brendan Hodge. He just published a novel with Ignatius Press. It's titled If You Can Get It. And it's about two sisters who are forced to reconnect as adults and how that experience transforms them. It's it's really a, a story about family, about the value so of family. So it's two sisters, sisters. They are not nuns, right? Oh, no. Sorry. No. <laughs> Two, two blood sisters, two biological okay. sisters. And they, they reconnect as adults. They're like 10 years apart. Um, ah. And so it's a book about family in this individualistic society. So we're going to be talking to Brendan Hodge in our second half hour about, about his novel, if you can get it, and also about what makes a novel Catholic. Um, that's always a question that I want to ask yeah. Catholic authors. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's difficult when you know that the book is uh, related to Catholic and you may not yeah, want to pick yeah, it up. It's, it's true. <laughs> and I think that that it's all about the story. If it's a good story, then it's a good book. Yeah. So that's in about 20 minutes. And then at the end of the program, we're going to be uh, meeting a new singer-songwriter. Mm. Her name is Francesca La Rosa. Francesca is mostly a musician. She's a music teacher and a, a music director at her parish. And she has some great music. So we're going to be meeting um, her at the end of the program and listening to some of her songs throughout the show. Love it. Um, and of course, a reminder, if you're not going to be around to listen to the rest of the show, be sure to go to our website, saltandlighttv.org slash podcast to listen to the whole show. Um, and all our programs, they're all there. Yeah. You can also subscribe to the Salt and Light Hour podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So everywhere. Billy, let's start with a song. Here's Francesca La Rosa with her single, Desire.
That was Francesca La Rosa with her single, Desire. And we're going to be speaking with Francesca La Rosa at the end of the program. And in a little bit, Billy will be back with more questions about our faith. Now it's time for Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. Sister Marie Paul, welcome back to the program. Oh, it's always great to be here, Deacon Pedro. And I have to thank you. Okay. You are the one who gave me the idea for this episode. So yes. I I was delighted. that I, I don't think I ever, ever would have thought of it. So Go on. It's good because I always like when you give us your, your top five or your top three. And we've never done Thanksgiving films. So that's a, that's a good... Uh... This is true. Well, I didn't have as much time to like go through a top 10, but I did pick out three great Thanksgiving uh-huh. Day films. I, I would say they're great. Um, all three films have strong performances by women in the cast. So award-winning performances. So that oh. was kind of fun to notice that after I picked them out. Wonderful. Uh, the first film is Pieces of April. And this is, this is truly one of my favorite Thanksgiving Day films. It, it's a 2003 film. Um, it is rated PG-13. It does have some adult um, situational references. So for parents, I just kind of want to put that out there. But it is an incredible character-driven film about a wayward daughter who invites her estranged family, including her mother, whom she's never gotten along with, and who is dying of cancer. She invites them all to a Thanksgiving dinner that she's hosting with her boyfriend because her boyfriend has convinced her that she can do this. She's full of doubts about this. Now, what I love about this film is that all of the characters are troubled. It's a real picture of a, of a family that, that has a lot of brokenness to it. And I love the focus on the turkey dinner, the poor daughter. Um, she starts baking the turkey and the oven breaks down. So right. she has to go through the apartment building looking for an oven on Thanksgiving Day morning. So you can imagine. Aww. It's great. Um, so there's lots of fights and fallouts in this film. And I think it's a great reminder that these kinds of things happen in mm-hmm. real relationships. Mm-hmm. And the more important the relationship is, the more likely something like that is going to happen at some point and the more painful it is. Right. And yet, can we do what these, what some, not all, but some of the characters in this film are able to do, which is to see each other with new eyes hmm. and to appreciate the gift that they are in our lives. Um, so it's a film about reconciliation or maybe simply acceptance in some ways, but really focused on the Thanksgiving holiday. Right. That's, so that's pieces of April, you said. Yes, starring Katie Holmes and Patricia Clarkson is okay. the award-winning mother who's amazing. Nice. Um, the, second, the second film is probably my very favorite Thanksgiving Day film. I, I suspect I've spoken about it here before. It's called The Blind Side. 
Uh-huh. It's a, a 2009 film. It's based on the story of Michael Ower, the true story of Michael Ower, a homeless black teen in Tennessee who's taken in by the very caring white Tui family. Yeah. Um, and he becomes eventually a uh, all-star college football player and eventually a pro NFL player. Um, this film is really about family. Uh, Michael comes from a very broken family, and yet that shapes him into who he is and even affects how he plays football mm -hmm. um, and how he relates to his new family. I mean, I think, you know, we know that God gave us the gift of family so that we could experience love as, as infants and, and, and be gradually opened up to the love of God in our lives. I mean, that's, it's the first experience of love that shapes us to receive God's love. But even in a um, difficult family situation, you know, some of that love is present often. And when we uh, are able to experience that love, it can be healing and transformative. And so mm. Michael's love transforms the Tui family and the Tui family's love transforms him, uh, especially his relationship with his mother. Um, and I think that's uh, his, his second mother or his yeah. adoptive mother um, is very powerful. That's uh, Sarah, uh, Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock. The yeah. third film is, yeah. I just saw this, it's A Hundred Foot Journey. It's okay. a 2014 film. And it's the story, it's, it doesn't have a direct reference to Thanksgiving, but it's the story of a family from India who tragically lose their mother in a fire at their family restaurant in India. And so they immigrate to France, where they open a restaurant directly across the street from a Michelin-starred restaurant owned and run by the sophisticated Madame Mallory, who is played by the amazing Helen Mirren. Huh. This film is very powerful, and I, I found it particularly resonant for this Thanksgiving and these holidays, uh, these you know, Christmas, the, the family traditions and holidays that we have, because for most of us, uh, our holiday will not be quite the same as it usually is. We have more limitations in terms of getting together with our families. Mm -hmm. And um, this film focuses on those memories. They all, this family from India always misses their mother. Um, always. And yet, in this new setting in France, where the food is very different, and the, you know, the experience and the culture is very different, they're able to create new memories without forgetting their mom, hmm. without forgetting the past that, you know, her love that has shaped them and helped them grow. So uh, they're able to make new memories, not just within their own family, but embracing Wow, it's a hundred foot journey to the restaurant across the street. So mm -hmm. they're at first enemies and then more events happen. So I just want to say uh, all three films, the characters, some of the characters are able to make something new, uh, not the same as the past. It's not a perfect holiday. It's not a perfect experience, uh -huh. but they're able to create something precious. And I guess that's something I would offer to you and to everyone who's listening and to, and to myself. This Thanksgiving um, here in the United States for me is gonna be very different. Um, Christmas will be different in terms of being getting together with family and friends. And so even when we're acknowledging the losses to, uh, to, to be able to do what St. Paul invites us to in his reading in the letter to the first Corinthians, um, which is the first Sunday of Advent. I can't believe that's coming. I know. He thanks the Lord that the Corinthians have been enriched with every spiritual gift. Hmm. And to me, 
uh, it's that gift of Christ's love for us that enables us to see the blessings that we have, to discover Christ in each other, to discover the image of God in each other, to, to grow in that appreciation for the gifts that others are in our lives. So three films, if you're, if you're, uh, you can share them with your family, you can watch them and then talk about them afterwards. Uh, they're just, they're all delightful films. And um, I think they might add something special to your holiday. That's great. Thank you so much. So Pieces of April, The Blind Side, and A Hundred Foot Journey. Uh, sounds like wonderful films. Um, something to do this holiday weekend instead of maybe watching football. Um, <laughs> um, you get a little football with the blind side. So a little that's bit awesome. of football with the blind side. That's true. And, and, and lots of good food with the other two films. Um, Sister Marie Paul, thank you so much. Happy Thanksgiving to you and to your sisters. And uh, we'll talk to you next month. Thank you. God bless everyone. Sister Marie Paul is with the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul. And you can read her blog at windows2thesoul.wordpress.com. And you can also follow her at Sister M. Paul. Coming up, more questions about the religious life in Church for Dummies. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Brother Isaiah with the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. And you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. The Salt and Light Hour is available as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for the Salt and Light Hour and take the show with you wherever you go. And now it's time for Church for Dummies with Billy Chan. Billy, who says he has an easy question, but I don't believe him. <laughs> no, you know what? This question, I think all the young people will like it. Everyone wants to to know this. Okay, so the question is about obedience of the church now uh yes so so the word obedience is a, a bit i would say you know as a young people i'm not young anymore but yeah as a young people uh, uh is is quite difficult to digest you know the word obey you know you need to obey your parents you need to obey your mom what if my mom is wrong now you know the word obey you know, uh, obedience um, appeared in when when you are be when you become a priest, when you become a nun, and you need to take a bow. Then you need to obey the church. Now, the question is this: We understand that obeying the church is important. For example, now, uh, if the church assigns you to that parish, you know you need to serve in that parish, and you know you may you you know you 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 may want to. To obey that, I mean, you know, there's a big picture behind it, this decision. But the thing is this, you know, what if your boss, I'm not saying anyone, like Bishop or or the Pope, uh, what if your boss um, uh, give you uh, 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 an order that you don't think is right? Mm -hmm. Can you say no? Um, Well, you can say no. The, The promise the, the the promise of obedience is a promise and it, it can be broken uh, and it's i'm sure it's broken all the time uh, <laughs> um that's a good question uh the, the first thing i thought when you asked about obeying i thought of that that word obey obey yeah. comes from latin which actually means to listen obey oh. is to, to, it's to listen so so i think that that says something about what it means to obey um and then the other thing i thought was that we obey the church because we trust that the church has the authority of Jesus Christ. So when, 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 when the church teaches us something, so I'm talking about the magisterium of the church, mm. um, we, we obey it because it's Jesus Christ. It's, 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 
the church speaks with the authority of Jesus Christ. Now, of course, um, there are people in the church, and and you, you might have. I'll give you. I mean, you 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 gave a, a scenario which I think I, I would like to think that it doesn't happen. A bishop telling me to do something that that is against the law or 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 against uh, you know morality. But sometimes a bishop might might ask a deacon to maybe change parishes, for example. Mm. Um, and maybe that parish means that I have to drive for an hour instead of just driving for 10 minutes. So do I have to obey the bishop? And and I've made a promise of obedience to the bishop. I think that um, I, I'm my responsibility is to speak to the bishop and explain my my reasons for for maybe not, you know, try to understand so that, I mean, we were always told in the seminary that the bishop would never make a change like that without consulting with you. Um, mm but but you're right i mean um i would go as far as saying for example i have about i've made a promise of obedience to the bishop not to my pastor but if my pastor told me um uh you're not gonna you know you're not gonna preach anymore at mass i'm gonna preach at all the masses i i have to, well i can't go against him I, he's the pastor yeah. it's his parish um but that's not not obeying him that's just respecting that he can do whatever he wants in his own parish um yeah it's a good question i think that we have to ultimately follow our conscience um mm. and it means that our consciences have to be formed which is why the church teaches that 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 there's a a, a freedom of conscience that you have to be able to to obey your conscience about something yeah. that you can't obey your conscience as your conscience is not formed. So I think um, between obedience, yes or no, in between there is something like discussion, right? I mean, uh, you can, you, you know, if there's, if there's something that you, you don't think is right, you can always discuss it uh, or question it. That, that doesn't mean yeah. that you, you, uh, you disobey, right? Yeah, absolutely. You, sh you, you should discuss it. I think that that's, that's what we're called to do now. Um, if you think of your parents or your wife, for example, you, you obey your wife, not because you, you have to obey her, but because you love her um, and because you trust mm. her. So if she's asking you to do something, you trust that she, she, she this is something important to her and you're not going to, you know, just ignore her. So I think I there's that aspect as well, that there's, there's a relationship that we're called to, 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 to enter into with the people that we've made promises to, or, or that, or with the church. I was just going to say one more thing. I know we're running out of time. Um, I would think that most of the time when there are problems with priests, you know, they, and you hear a scandal that a priest was moved from a parish or was, 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 is no longer allowed to, to, to function as a priest. The issue was probably an issue of obedience. It was not that they, you know, stole money or, or that they, you know, were in a relationship with a woman. It was probably an issue of obedience. Because, I, if they, because if they stole money, the bishop would call them and say, you know, what happened? And let's sort it out yeah. and get the money back. But then if there's a problem, then it's the, the priest going against the bishop saying, no, I think that what I did was right. And then it becomes a matter of obedience. I, I actually really like um, uh, what you just said about uh, sometimes you disobey. Maybe it's because of mistrust. So the problem may, maybe is not yeah. about obedience. The problem maybe is about yeah, trust. Sure. So, oh, wow. I, I thank you for the answer. It is amazing. Yeah. Good, good. Thank you for the question. Um, the easy questions that are very hard. Uh, <laughs> Billy Chan asking hard questions here. Uh, Billy is our webmaster at Salt and Light TV. 
saltandlighttv.org. You can follow him at bjoechan. Coming up in our second half hour, a chat with Catholic novelist Brendan Hodge, and we meet singer-songwriter Francesca La Rosa, so stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Jen Nilsson has an MBA, a nice condo, and a fast-track job at a tech startup in Silicon Valley. But then, her younger sister Katie, just out of college and estranged from their parents, blows through the front door. And Jen lets her 10-year younger sister, the embodiment of all that annoys her, move in. That's the beginning of If You Can Get It, a novel by Brendan Hodge that explores the place of family and love in our lives. To learn more about the novel and to talk about what makes a novel Catholic, I spoke with Brendan Hodge earlier this week. Brendan Hodge, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Great to be here. So, um, from the description that I just read about the novel, people might get the sense that maybe there's not much happening in the story, but uh, what would you say, in your words, what is this novel really about? So it's a character-driven story, and so that means that uh, describing just the plot can seem a little strange, but Mm -hmm. it focuses on uh, Jen, who is a successful career woman working in Silicon Valley, and as the book opens, she is focused on her career. She's excited about a big promotion she thinks is around the corner and working on a product launch, and then her 10 years younger sister, Katie, Uh, who she's never known well because she's so much younger, shows up on her doorstep after a fight with their parents and says she doesn't want to live with their parents anymore. Can she live with Jen? And so this kind of plunges Jen into a much more uh, family-oriented mode where she's trying to look after this sister who's just out of college and has no experience in the adult world. And then as they're trying to negotiate their relationship, Jen is laid off from her job. Mm. And uh, being a career-focused person, she's desperately searching for another job. She ends up taking one that takes her to China where she gets mixed up with Chinese manufacturing. And this leads to a cascading series of events where she's reevaluating her relationship with work as well as her relationship with her family and the other people she has love for in her life. Right. So, so it's, it's a novel. It's a story about family and family values. Would you say that? Yes. Yeah. I think the real heart of the novel is the relationship between the sisters yeah. And then their relationship with their parents. Right. Um, the title, If You Can Get It, can you explain that? Is there, a, can I hear some, some, some musical tones from, an, from a Gershwin tune here? <laughs> yes, yes. It is referencing the uh, George and Ira Gershwin song, uh, Nice Work If You Can Get It. And uh, I, I love the song, but yes. the song, uh, it's nice work if you can get it. The book focuses a lot on work and the place that work has in our lives. Mm-hmm. But it's actually... Um, the the song is about relationships. Mm -hmm. So it's about how uh, your life is only worthwhile if you have love in it and it's made worthwhile by love. So I felt like the fact that the novel was about work, but it's about learning how work needs to be in the context of our relationships and of love in our life. Um, And Mm -hmm. the song, which is nice work, if you can get it, I just like the interplay. Yeah, no, that's great. And and you could, I mean, I suppose I was going to say you could argue that the song, but the song is really the work in the song is the relationships, is the love. 
yeah the work it'd be nice yeah. if you could get it um so there's that that i guess play on words um so why why did you want to write this novel brendan um so i feel like the novel is an underappreciated way to talk about what's important in our lives as human beings uh, you, you can write a, a philosophical work or a theological work about the importance of family or how work needs to be contextualized within our lives as Christians. But we, we live in the everyday world. We experience our relationships with other people and with our jobs, and we think in very concrete terms. And I think fiction helps you address these questions in very concrete terms like that. And I, I wanted to address this kind of tech world and corporate world because it, it is where I work. I'm, I'm a director of pricing right. for an, an industrial hard materials company. I've worked in the tech industry at computer companies. So I, I sort of love it and I sort of hate it. And I, I definitely <laughs> see the humor in it. So it was a world that I thought would be great to live in. And I thought it would be really enjoyable to talk about this kind of uh, sister and family dynamic between yeah. the sisters and, and them and their parents. Yeah. Now I know you yourself have a large family. I don't know if you come from a large family, but why did you want the two protagonists, I guess the two main characters to be women? I mean, how, do, how does you, Brendan Hodge, kind of write from a point of view of a woman? Like, why did you choose that approach rather than writing about something that was maybe closer to you? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, what really drew me into the sibling dynamic here was the sense in which we don't choose our closest relationships. Uh, when you know, you're born into a family, or, or even if you're adopted into a family, you seldom have any real choice in mm -hmm. who you're adopting, who you're adopted by, who you're, who you're born into. And yet those are the closest relationships that we have, and we don't choose them. And sometimes we even feel like we don't know the people that we're related to all that well, and we rediscover them at various points in our lives. And so mm -hmm. I like the idea of these two sisters being 10 years apart and having to develop an adult relationship. And if you want to really explore a relationship and have people think about it in an urgent way, I felt like it was going to be more realistic to have the sisters in this uh, book than brothers, because, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm a guy, we, we have a way of just kind of letting things slide. You can just, you know, sit on the couch together, have a beer, watch a TV show, and you may not feel like you need to really answer questions about why do we feel the way we feel about each other. <laughs> right. So I felt like by having these be sisters, it would really kind of press on this question of, well, wait, we, we're related to each other. This needs to matter. Uh, and yet we barely know each other and we're not all that compatible. So how are we going to sort these things out? Yeah. Um, these are obviously universal themes. Um, the novel is published by Ignatius. Uh, would you say that this is a Catholic novel? Is it, is there, I mean, if there is faith in the novel, but is it a novel about faith? Boy, that's, that's a tough question. And, and as a writer, I know, and as a reader, I struggle with the question of what mm -hmm. is a Catholic novel? Certainly this is a cat, a novel which takes place, um, with ca characters who are Catholic. So, uh, my two main characters, Jen and Katie, are, are kind of fallen awake Catholics as the novel begins. Mm -hmm. uh, they grew up in a Christmas and Easter Catholic kind of family. Their parents have recently come back to the faith in a, in a much closer way. And at first, that's kind of a thing between them and their parents. Mm -hmm. They don't understand why their parents have gotten into this all of a sudden, and it seems like a barrier. And then different events kind of cause them to re-examine what it is that their parents are doing and what their own relationship with Catholicism is. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't say it's a, a novel of faith in the sense that you don't have long theological dialogues where people hash out points of doctrine or points of morality. Uh, I think that, I mean, a lot of us 
you may do that occasionally a few times in your life, but that's, that's not how most of us encounter faith. We, we see it in how other people practice and whether it is making them happy and whether they seem to be finding what's true and what's beautiful in it. And that's what these characters go through during the course of the novel. So Catholicism is very much a present force in the novel. Uh, and, uh, but I think it's something which is, I, I wanted it to be interesting to readers, whether they were Catholic or not. And so right. I have been very pleased to see uh, not just Catholic readers enjoy it a lot, but uh, uh, other Christians. Uh, I, I had some very enthusiastic mm -hmm. reviews from a couple of Mormon readers right. uh, and, and from non-Catholic, non-Christian readers as well. Well, it's interesting because I, I find that one of the most, I guess, in the most interesting insights about faith actually come from one of the characters who's Jewish um, or who's come back to his Jewish faith in the, in the novel, correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Jen's best friend from uh, business school is a mm -hmm. lawyer uh, who is Jewish. And as she starts dealing with her family, she starts asking him questions about sort of, I, I know you're kind of religious. How, how do yeah. you deal with family that, that is, sees these things as important? Is it just they think they're better than me? Or what, is it, what does it mean? And, yeah. and he's able to give her an outsider's perspective on that, that I think to her is a little less threatening because a lot of people who've been, they've grown up Catholic and then they've been away. There's this very threatening position mm -hmm. the church has in their lives. And so you can almost hear these things more honestly from someone who's outside the Christian faith or right. from outside the Catholic church. Yeah. I wondered if you'd, you'd made that choice that it was easier to make some, some specific points about the importance of faith through, through a character who's not Catholic because maybe, I don't know if that would have felt too much like bashing people over the head. Um, is Jen's journey similar to Brendan's journey? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I actually, uh, I grew up in a, a very, um, very actively practicing Catholic family. Yeah. Uh, maybe not quite traditionalist, but very kind of old school. Yeah. Um, and I went to the Franciscan University, uh, Franciscan right. University of Steubenville, where yeah. I met my wife. We got married one year, uh, like right out of college, and uh, we we now have seven children. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we, we followed somewhat different paths. <laughs> yeah, interesting, interesting. But I guess that that informs your writing and informs your storytelling. Um, very interesting. I, I I enjoyed the novel, Brendan. Thank you for sharing it. I did want to mention uh, we don't have time to talk about it right now, but I did want to mention that you do have a blog, um, Darwin Catholic. That in itself, it's it's probably enough for a whole other interview. Um, so maybe people want to check out your blog, darwincatholic.blogspot.com, uh, correct? Yes, that's right. Yeah. So Brendan Hodge, thank you so much for, uh, for writing the book and sharing a little bit about it and about yourself today with us. Thanks for reading. It was great to talk with you. Brendan Hodge is a husband and father of seven, a novelist and a director of pricing analytics in Ohio. His latest novel, If You Can Get It, is published by Ignatius. Here now is our featured Artist of the Week, Francesca La Rosa, with her single, Spiritual Communion Song. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you. Receive you 
That was Francesca La Rosa with her single, Spiritual Communion Song. Francesca La Rosa knew from a very young age that she wanted to devote her life to music and to Jesus. She has been singing at Mass since age nine and after high school went on to college to study music. In 2011, she was chosen to sing the theme song for the National Catholic Youth Conference, which was in Indianapolis that year. After graduating, she worked as a music teacher and music director at her parish, she loves writing music from scripture and singing at churches for weddings, funerals, praise and worship nights, and loves even more sharing her songs with others. And I'm always delighted to meet new Catholic singer-songwriters, and so I'm very happy to welcome Francesca La Rosa to our program today. Francesca, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be it, here it's today. It's so good to meet you uh, formally, I guess. <laughs> um, so you 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 are from Indianapolis. You grew up there. What was growing up like? I'm assuming uh, La Rosa is Italian. So was it a very yes. Catholic family? Yes. Yes. I am very fortunate to have amazing parents. I love my siblings. Um, faith was very instilled in us from a very young age. And so I'm very grateful to my parents for teaching us that. We had a family band. My dad played guitar. Oh my, my aunt God. played bass. My uncle played guitar. And all my sisters, we all sing. Oh, wow. So truly, mass was the center of our family. So how many, how many brothers and sisters? Um, there's, there, there's five of us. So two boys and three girls. And you're all musicians. Yes. Wow. So it was like a little Von Trapp family. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Italian Von Trapps. Really? And are they all in music as well now? Or they've all... We, we all do different things. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. but I, I love each and every one of them so dearly. So, and you guys, you said you played with, so your dad was kind of like the leader of the band. Did, did you play as a family at church? Yes. Yes. Our whole lives revolved around mass as a family. And so that was so beautiful. We, we played at the 5 p.m. Saturday night mass every oh my week. Gosh, so did I. So that, it was so, I, really? I, I, yeah, it was 5.15. That's how I started. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Saturday, 5 p.m. mass. Yes. Wow. Wonderful. Um, and um, I didn't mention it in the introduction, but you, you've told me before that you, you were already writing music as a teenager. You even recorded some albums. Was the whole family recording music? Um, my, my dad played on a few songs and my sister sang background on a, a few songs as well. My, my dad is such a supportive person. Yeah. And both of my parents told me, if you write enough songs for every part of the mass, will help you record an album. So okay. I said, I want to write an opening song. I want to write a song for gifts and communion and a closing song. So that's really what sparked that. And I loved writing songs about the mass because that was my life. And right. ever since then, I, I really love writing songs for Jesus. I have tried just simply performing to perform, mm -hmm. but there's nothing like sitting at the foot of the cross or singing during adoration or mass. That's where yeah. I really feel the Lord's presence. Yeah. You know what? I, I think I can relate because I remember I, I was also a parish musician for many years. And I remember thinking like, I can do this forever. Like this is like the happiest that I've ever been. It's just doing music at mass. Mm -hmm. um, did you feel 
did you feel that that's that's all you wanted to do um or did you think no i want to sort of write music and have albums and and i hate to say it but you know kind of be more famous you know have my music out there kind of thing mm-hmm. or, or did I, you what, what yes i definitely desired to kind of go wherever God led me. Mm-hmm. I auditioned for The Voice. I auditioned okay. for American Idol. And yeah. that was oh. not the Lord's plan. <laughs> oh. But truly the day that I auditioned for American Idol was the same day I met my husband at a Bible oh. study later that day. So I, I only wanted to be on American Idol to meet a producer. That was my main goal. Okay. I just wanted someone to help me record my music because I had all of these psalms. I had oh all of this gosh. music that I wanted to record for the Lord. So I didn't make it on the show. But later that night, I went to a Bible study and I met my husband he gave me his business card and said i would love to help you record your music that's hilarious oh (laughs) my gosh what a great story um wonderful yeah that's right so yeah in case anybody missed it so her francesca's husband is a music producer he's he's a so that that's great um tell me a little bit more so you you said you wrote uh and you recorded songs for the mass uh did you record mass parts as well were there were you writing other music I, I did have mass parts as well. And then I also had some songs that I wrote from my heart about yeah. my friends or about guys I liked, right. like things like that. I was a teenage girl. <laughs> um, and then I went to college and I thought I would be a performer. So I started out in vocal performance and it turned out being so much geared towards almost operatic singing, oh, yeah. which was a little different than where I wanted to be, but I still loved it. And I decided to go into education. Okay. So I did music education and I started teaching children how to sing. And right. even more so, I desired to teach children about faith. So right. that was my whole heart. <laughs> okay, so it sounds like you were you were always pretty strong in your faith. You never, as a teener, teenager, had moments of not doubt, but you know, maybe s- straying a little bit away, or 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 maybe not going to mass every Sunday. Um, did you ha- or, or or have a moment of like a re reconversion or something that really uh, that was the moment that that you knew that this is where you needed to be. Mm. That's a great question. <laughs> um, truly, my parents have always helped us be centered in the Lord. Mm-hmm. I did have moments of doubt. Um, I did have moments where I thought, why can't I hear the Lord's voice? I just yeah. wish God could tell me what to do. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, just through prayer, I think the rosary has really helped me. I think mass mm-hmm. has really helped me. Eucharistic adoration has been amazing. <laughs> That's yeah. really where I have found... My, my steps where the Lord is leading me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I, I have had doubt. I, I'm not someone who's like, oh, I have everything figured out. I'm still trying to figure that out to this day. But Right. Yeah. Nobody yes. is. Yeah. <laughs> Even if old people like me say we do, we don't. Um, um, it, it sounds to me, and I think I'm, you might have, this might be on your website too, that, that a lot of your music is scripture based. Um, obviously you were writing songs for mass. I know that you write a lot of psalm settings. Do you find that that's kind of where where your your passion is to yeah? Yes, I absolutely love the psalms. I think they are so beautiful. I do love writing lyrics, but I uh-huh. feel that the Lord's words are so much yeah. better than mine. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's when I read scripture, I hear I hear music. Yeah. I, I, I don't hear a whole lot of silence in my life, which I, I yearn for silence. But when I read scripture, I hear music and I hear the words come to life. And so I always just recorded them on my phone for my own prayer. Right. But when I started showing those songs to my students, they said, can you please record this? I, I need yeah. to pray with this. So I started recording things just to help people pray. Yeah. Um, are, you, are you doing music at your parish right now? 
I'm kind of doing music at several different parishes. I ended up leaving that position. I loved that job. It was so great. I ended up leaving that to go pursue my music more further. Um, So I've had so many great opportunities this year. It's been so beautiful. And I do miss that parish a lot, but. Yeah, it sounds like it. No, I was going to, I was asking that because I thought, you know, you probably had the opportunity to sing the psalm every Sunday or every Saturday um, yes, and, and, yes. and, and try your, your settings. And I think a lot of musicians are doing that and, mm-hmm. and there's a great need for Psalm settings. So um, um, it's always good to hear that there are people like you that are, are writing music for Psalms. And I hope oh, that you have you. the opportunity to share that sheet music with people. Um, you're working on a new, on a new album. I am. I am. It's called Chambers. And these are all songs that were written in the chambers of my heart. Most okay. of them were written during Eucharistic adoration, uh-huh. but it's just music that I've heard in my heart that I want to share with the world. So that we started the show with Desire and we just heard the Spiritual Communion song. Would those two be in the new album? Yes, that is definitely the plan. So we're so excited about that coming out soon. Right. Hopefully soon. We're, we're aiming for next summer, but with COVID and everything, we're, we're working as fast as we can. Right, good. Well, that'll be a good excuse to get you back on the show. Um, <laughs> um, spiritual Communion, I wanted to ask you about that one song because I, is that the most recent one you've written? Yes, yes. That is the most recent release, yes. Um, and I'm assuming that it's, because of COVID? Yes. Yes. It was so challenging during Lent not to be able to attend mass with all the churches that were closed and the spiritual communion prayer that was said on the virtual masses. That was the one thing that helped me get through it. It was almost like a piece of the Holy Eucharist that it just gave me a sense of the Lord's peace. So I wanted to be able to put that to music to help people memorize it. Yeah. And and yeah, what a great idea. Um, Thank you. And uh, I think that there are still people that do not have access to the Eucharist, um, yes. uh, whether, whether it's because of their frailty and they don't, they can't leave their houses or because it's not available. So I, I think that that's a great gift. Um, Francesca, it's been so good to, uh, to meet you officially to, uh, to chat with you this morning, to learn a little bit about what you do and uh, your music. And I'm excited about the new album uh, so we can get you back on the show. Uh, so thank you so much for spending a little time with us today. Oh, thank you so much for this opportunity, Deacon Pedro. This is such a gift. Amen. Well, thank you. Um, you can learn more about Francesca La Rosa and her music at her website, francescalarosa.com. And to listen to this interview again or to hear the rest of the program, go to saltandlighttv.org slash podcast. And here now to take us out is Francesca La Rosa with her single, Let Me Hear Your Voice. Voice
Listening to Francesca La Rosa with her single, Let Me Hear Your Voice. And that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that if you tuned in late, you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs for free at saltandlighttv.org slash podcast. You can also listen to the Salt and Light Hour podcast anywhere you get your podcast. And very soon you'll be able to have access to Salt and Light television on your Amazon Fire and Roku devices. So stay tuned for more information about that. You can also follow Salt and Light on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Salt and Light TV. And while you're there, look for me, Deacon Pedro, and send me a nice message. In the coming weeks, we'll be meeting some more new young Catholic artists. Thomas Muglia, Hannah Schaefer, and Miley Asbill. So you don't want to miss any of those shows as we make it towards Christmas. I hope that you all had a blessed Thanksgiving and that you're having a blessed Thanksgiving weekend. We have so much to be thankful for, and may those blessings continue as we enter the Advent season. Amazing that we're already here. Take care of yourselves and take care of each other. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour.